Welcome to From the Booth, the podcast sponsored by BYU International Cinema, where we talk about the films playing at BYU's International Cinema. I'm Chip Oscarson, co-director of International Cinema. For the last couple semesters, we've been broadcasting this podcast once per week with both an analysis of the last week's films as well as a preview of films that will be playing. We've decided that starting with this episode, we'd like to change the format of the episodes a little so that instead of broadcasting one episode per week with both preview and review, we'll break up the episodes so that we'll now have two shorter episodes each week, one a dedicated preview of films coming up and another that's the week in review, taking a deeper look at the films that have already shown. Breaking up the episodes will help us to provide you with previews a little bit earlier in the week. So in this episode today, we're just going to be previewing the films that will be showing at International Cinema from the 5th to the 8th of February. As always in our previews, we promise no spoilers. We'll save those for our next episode when we look at the week in review and discuss and analyze the films in more detail. So joining me today to preview the films, our fellow co-director Mark Yamada. Hello, Mark. Hello. Great to be here. And Mariador Oscarson, who's the assistant director of International Cinema. Welcome, Mariador. Nice to be with you. So the films that we're going to be talking about are Jimpa, a Tibetan film directed by Pema Tseden from 2018, Still Life, 2006 feature in Mandarin by Ji Zhangke, set against the backdrop of the construction of the Three Gorges Dam project in China, then the second installment of War and Peace from 1966, directed by Sajay Bondarchuk. We've talked a little bit about that one already. And then lastly, the documentary of Fathers and Sons, which is an intimate look at the life of Islamic jihadist families in Syria. This is in Arabic and directed by Talal Dereki from 2017. Marino, why don't we start with Jimpa. Tell us a little bit about what this film's about and what we should be looking for. Okay, so Jimpa is a film that comes from Tibet by filmmaker uh, Pema Tseden. It's a novel adaptation. Jimpa means butcher or murderer. It is a, a mysterious uh, story about a man named Jimpa, and he drives a truck, and he's in the desert, and he looks rough. A little bit like a, a coming out of Mad Max, maybe. He's mm-hmm. all leathery and uh, very mysterious. At the beginning, I, I just love the opening scene with the still camera. And it's beautiful. The shots are, are very long. It's all about nature and, and this truck. And the music comes from the tape that he's playing. It's a Italian music uh, out in the Tibetan desert. <laughs> and um, so, so there's just many, many different genres to this film, I think. He kills a ship on the on the road, and that fresh blood is on his seat. Then he he's able to just um, go to a butcher, and this meat is is going to be eaten. But then he picks up someone, a, a hitchhiker, who is like sitting on the bloody seat. There's so much, so many things that are so meaningful. It's it's definitely a a, a mystery, and go go see it. Be curious. Be curious. Some critics have presented it as a a Western film, and it does it does have a, a feel, a little bit of the cowboy that's going to pull out his gun, and it, there's a story of a of revenge as well. So there's many many different things there, and a quote from a Tibetan proverb that I'm going to give you now because maybe it will help you uh, read the film a little bit better. I don't know if the filmmaker would agree with me. I don't know, but here I am. This is a Tibetan proverb that's quoted in the film, and it says, "If I tell you my dream, you might forget it." If I act on my dream, perhaps you will remember it. But if I involve you, it becomes your dream too. So I think I think that's what happened to me. When I when that quote was given to me, it's like, oh, here I am. I'm in that dream and I'm acting too. It was an interesting experience. So 
Yes. The quote's in the trailer, so... Oh, the quote's is in the trailer, too. It can't be too too much Well, that makes me happy. I give away. Mark, you saw this film at uh, in Hong Kong, right? Um, I, what I, were your impressions of it? I did, and it was it's a mysterious film. Um, I think Mahi Lord describes it really well. It's set up as, like she said, kind of a road film, kind of a Western at the same time, but it brings in, it seems like, a little bit of Tibetan, maybe Buddhist uh, ideas, and I'm going to just say one word, and I don't want to give too much away, or, or give too much of a, of a framework for, for thinking about this film, but maybe something to do with karma. Uh, that okay. could be something. So, so keep that in mind as you're watching. Is there something to do with karma here? But a really, again, beautifully shot film, like a Western. I mean, these long shots, right, of him. So we're kind seeing... Figures in the landscape. Figures in the landscape, yeah, yeah who kind of blow into these bars and, and uh, <laughs> on, their, on their trip down the road. So interesting film. Okay. Well, we have a, another film from the same general region of the world, uh, Still Life. This is directed by Ji Zhangke, whose name I never say exactly right. Uh, forgive my Mandarin. This is from 2006. And the original Mandarin title of this film, Still Life, is uh, Good People of the Three Gorges. I think Steve Reap is going to be talking about this in our weekly lecture on the 5th of February. He'll be getting a little bit deeper into uh, this title and, and maybe some of its implications. The the basic plot is that the Three Gorges Dam is under construction. He actually filmed this as the Three Gorges Dam was being constructed as that reservoir is filling up and they're making way, uh, getting rid of the towns that have been on the, the banks of the Yangtze River for, you know, for millennia. And we follow a man and a woman kind of separately that they're both independently looking for their spouses that have they've been estranged from, that have, they've not had contact with uh, for some time. That's the basic premise of, of what's going on uh, through this. Now, some of our uh, viewers might be familiar with Gia's work. We showed the world a couple of uh, semesters ago. We showed Ash is purest white. And it's the same kind of filmmaking, right? Uh, there's something quiet and contemplative about it. It's not didactic. He's not trying to force a, a simple kind of message down your throat by any stretch of the imagination, but he gives you a lot to think about. There's a dynamic that's always at play in these films that, you're, uh, that you kind of are left to, to tease out in some kind of way. Um, we were super lucky last semester. We Googled this film. We knew we needed to preview it for IC. And we were in Paris on study abroad. And it was playing. We went to see it at the Cinematheque. And the filmmaker was there with the main actress. And we introduced it. So that was like amazing. <laughs> and I remember that, okay, I'm going, I do not speak to Chinese either, but Tao Zhao, the main actress, was saying that when she was presented with the script, of, they, they knew they, they, what they wanted to do, of course, but it was not like all finished and so it's a film that they, they filmed day by day and then every night they would edit and work on it but but the work that comes out of this is, is just a work of art there's such a, a beautiful cinematography and um, always like the landscape with the the characters and and beautiful images that have stayed with me and a, a lasting message as well I don't know if I want to talk too much about it because this is a preview and more analysis will come um, soon well, I think that you have to think about this a little bit in terms of our Anthropocene uh, series uh, as well, yes. that it's, um, it's about the human engagement with the environment. Yeah, and it, you know, as you talk about it as kind of an, an environmental space, I know that, and I don't know a lot about Chinese classics, but I know it's, it's a place also that's, that's often depicted in Chinese literature, mm. poetry, art, and so there's other, layer, other kind of ways of describing the space, other ways in which it kind of becomes a space 
uh, a kind of ecological space, this kind of literary traditional space, and they all, from what I understand, and I, I've kind of read a little bit about this film, that they all kind of are, they resonate in this film, right? That yeah. people know it as, as this literary space, they know it as, as this kind of real life space, and that all kind of comes together in a sense of a, a layering, right, that you have with the gorge as well. And so that's yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and you, in this changing environment, I mean, it's a rapidly changing environment. Is this? They're literally dismantling this town to make to make room for this lake, and it's very disruptive, of course, Absolutely. to the you know to the people all around. And you get this sense of people are in motion and are, and are disconnected from each other and from the place in 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 interesting kinds of ways. It's posing a question about the ability and capacity of human society to keep up with the changing economy and technology and environment, right? Things that are changing at increasingly rapid rates in a globalized world. And as we were writing our blurbs this semester, the, the, the image and the thought that came to mind is that the landscape that we're presented in this film is pre-apocalyptic, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's the disaster as it it's about to, to unfold and they're creating you know the disaster that we typically associate with nuclear bombs or you know kind of dramatic you know climate change that you get this really haunting landscape that they're a part of and that they're the ones that are changing and we can see as well the people suffering from this like in in their personal lives and in relationships and dynamics and just the same reflection on on people as we can see um in nature and in the city that's going to disappear. Yeah, that's right. And Mark, I think you pointed out to me, I had missed this reference, but he actually quotes his own film, yeah. Ashes Purest White, which we showed last semester, yeah. um, is quoting Still Life. Uh, yeah. He's using the same actress. He kind same of sets actress, up the same She's wearing the same dimension. outfits. Yeah. And, and, she, and there's something going on with, with text, as we talked about, in the way in which in Ashes Purest White, he's using several different styles of filmmaking and and the way in which there's, it's an, almost a reflection, like you said, of, of being displaced from with the speed of development and how you're moving through kind of this traditional China to this kind of developed China to even kind of space age China, how it leads characters to be kind of displaced from that, how she's in one scene, she's wearing this traditional gangster outfit, and then she's wearing, you know, an outfit that anyone would wear yeah. with a backpack on and she's walking around. Through, and, and, and the same character is in, in this film as well, Still Life, and a similar kind of displacement, maybe from the layers of, of Chinese culture that are more traditional and how the, the three gorges are depicted. So really interesting way in which he's trying to capture that, the, the displacement of the individual in this in, in a changing China. Yeah, that's right. Stylistically, watch for the slow, long takes. He, he doesn't use a camera in a way that is intrusive in telling you what to see. Sometimes there's something going on in the background right. that's actually the crucial thing that's, that's happening. And it's a stark contrast, actually, to War and Peace in terms of how the camera is used. Uh, we've previewed this film previously. We're showing the second installment of it. This one's going to be focusing more on Natasha Rostova, whereas the first episode was focusing more on Andre and Pierre, the battles of Schrangraben and Austerlitz, and the defeat of the, the Russian forces. Here, we go back to the city life and to the life that hasn't been touched by the war yet, and Natasha is, is coming of age. But as, as I was mentioning, the style is completely different. The camera intervenes here. It, it helps you to see exactly what you're supposed to be seeing. It uses montage you know, to put things together, and it's a stark contrast to the kind of thing that you get going on in, in Gia's work. Mark, this week, the last film we want to talk about is the uh, documentary of Fathers and Sons. This is a tough one. It is. It's chilling. And I, you know, I saw it at a film festival in Hong Kong, and, and at first I was really taken aback. And I think 
it's chilling because on the one hand you get a very kind of normal family. I mean, they're in Syria and they're on the front lines of a war, but yet you have a father. And you see the domestic life. You see really the domestic life, right? And, and the kids are playing, and they're and the father's playing with them, and he, you can tell that he loves them, and there's this affection. So you really relate to this family. And then on the other hand, it's also a family built on this really antagonistic, aggressive, violent attitude towards United States. I mean, it's a radicalized situation where the father really wants to prepare the children for jihad. And so on the one hand, you have a loving father. On the other hand, you have this hate and this anger and this violence, right? And the two don't always work well together. I think it really gives us a good view of what perspective that's not our own, that we have yeah. this idea of 9-11 as being this kind of national tragedy and that it was that we were the victims. And, and here it's the complete opposite. And it's so different. And it's hard. And then so there's that complete disjunction between you and the characters and how you think even though you're similar and you, you can relate and you can relate level. to them yeah, yeah. Th yeah there's a complete kind of separation but it's a very rare look into a family yeah. uh, a radicalized family and how those children are growing up in this family right. and i i don't think i've seen any documentary showing this and at a tender tender age these children are taught to hate the other and to just that someday they'll go to battle he the dad is good at and he, he's shown as a very loving dad like it's yeah. but then on another hand he's saying al-nusra who is the uh, uh, islamic group that's like taking in like the, the yeah, young man and the children won't send him to battle until he's grown up so he's talking about a little kid who is like innocently playing like any other little kid would but his future is different from those little children that we know because the dad says god willing when he's old enough, I will send him to battle. Yeah. So already he's seeing these sons as future soldiers and very young when he sends them. Yeah. And we are suffering with these little kids who are all of a sudden <laughs> taken sure. away from, from a, a family where they have love and, and everything that, that they need. Yeah. It's a hard one. Yeah, the director, Derek, he gained access to this family kind of surreptitiously, right? It's, it's amazing. It, it, it really is. <laughs> it's he's amazing the, he's, that he didn't lose his life doing it. He's from the same village, and so he has a little bit of credibility, but he, it's under false pretenses. They don't know that he's making a film to be shown to people in the in, West. In, in yeah. the West. And, and I think it's something interesting to, to look for the way in which he does kind of capture the family and, um, you know, and, and how that kind of fits with his, his purpose there. But... Yeah, it's, I, I think it's these kinds of things are, this shows the real power of film to show us another perspective, to give us access to something that, I mean, if you were to wander over to Syria, you're not going to be welcomed into a home to be able to get access to this kind of, yeah. of view and vision. And maybe connects in an interesting way back to War and Peace, actually, and some of the things that Tolstoy is interested in exploring. I mean, this whole idea that, you know, the people who are fighting, you know, the French and the Russians in his case, they actually don't have any beef with each other, right. not on a personal and an individual level, that the, the reason they're at war is all at a level that's kind of beyond all of them and that there's a humanity that exists on both sides that, that he's interested in and interested in exploring. Right. That seems to be something that, uh, that we have going on with this rather chilling, difficult documentary yeah. as well. Well, thank you for joining us today on From the Booth. Our podcast is produced by the International Cinema Program at BYU, which is supported by the BYU College of Humanities. The hosts and guests of this program are solely responsible for the opinions and ideas expressed here as they don't necessarily represent any official position adopted by the university or its supporting institutions. As always, we thank our sound engineer, Jojo Hegstrom-Pratt, as well as the staff of the BYU Humanities Resource Center for their help and support. Until our follow-up program that will be looking at the Week in Review, we hope to see you at 2.50 in the Kimball Tower. Thanks. See you next time. See you.